What's up, everybody? Welcome back to Talking Schmidt. I'm Schmitty. The Dodgers suck. And today on the show is Aaron Meza. That's the intro? Yeah. I think that's about... Oh, did I mention the Alyssa Steamer cover? Okay. So are we going live right now? Yep. All right. Bring me in then. This is Aaron Meza, and you're listening to Talking Schmidt. Big Schmitty Nights. Hey, hey, hey. Fucking Schmidt. I'm already not watching. It's cool. Like, tonight is the night. Damn, this is like the coolest thing I'm ever going to do. <laughs> I wouldn't say it was fun. What do you mean? Well, Christian Fletcher's younger brother. Fuck the Dodgers. Uh, big dogs in. What do you think, Dolan? Beyond Schmitty. Talking Schmidt. Alpha macaroni. Most of these guys, their opinion don't matter. Talking Schmidt, right? It's skateboarding. I remember that. Talking Schmidt. What are you doing? Holy shit. Skateboarding, homies. No, Schmidt, you can't jump in. What is happening? I'm here for Wi-Fi check one, Wi-Fi check two. All right, Scorpions, Def Leppard, Journey with a New Singer. Hopefully we're not going to get too carried away, but my next guest has been a listener since day one. He grew up in the peninsula. He claims San Francisco, but it's actually South San Francisco. But he also claims I vibed him early on at Ghost Skate. So we're going to hear about that and more. This is one of my good friends. You all know the maze. This is Aaron Mazo. NorCal legend. What's good? KSJO over here. Look at this guy, Lamont Tonelli. KZSU, Stanford. <laughs> Are you KZSU or KFJC? I'm not used to the cans. Which one had a maximum rock and roll? KPFA, Berkeley. I want to hear this ghost gate story straight out of the gate. <laughs> <laughs> it's funny because where we live in South City, you're kind of, I feel like we're in the very much in the middle of between like the San Mateo scene, which seemed like it's not a big town, but for compared to South City, San Mateo seemed like a bigger town, had a downtown, had a skate shop, ghost mm. gate. And then you had the city a little bit north. So it, we kind of were like right in the middle. So you could go to, Hockey jungle and get vibed, or go to ghost skate and get vibed. Either way, <laughs> we were bookended by it. At, everywhere we went, it was like a little intimidating. But yeah, I just remember going to ghost skate. Actually, we could take the five M, I think, down El Camino, and just get off right there. And uh, it takes forever if I take like an hour. But you know, it was just that intimidation factor of being just a young kid. And like being so into something and wanting to not blow it. And there's this older cool guys working there. And uh actually Ghost Gate, they were friendlier. Like that I was kind of friendly with that guy, Chad, a little bit. Oh, he's super cool. Yeah. I would see them skating the pit and stuff like that. So I'd see them around and like Mike Alcantara and those guys were kind of a big deal, obviously. Mm. And like we would look up to those guys as kind of like the way people would look up to the pros almost, you know, like they were that kind of heavy. But yeah, I remember. I just remember seeing you there one time. I don't think you. I, there was just a general vibe in general, but yeah, probably just assumed he he works there. He must be a dick too. The- well, I was always tripping on what's your thinking on this. Like skate shops at that time, definitely almost every skate shop was a vibe. Like if you went in there, even camera shops back in those days, like if you didn't know exactly what you were doing, you were getting yeah. you were getting shamed. 
Nowadays, it's completely the opposite. Like they know they need your business and all that stuff. But when did it switch and what? Like, you know what I mean? Like, and how are they getting away with it back then? How are they, like people were just, it's crazy. Yeah. I mean, it was, it was wild. I'm sure, yeah, record stores or hobby shops are probably like that. I'm sure if you went to like the elite train hobby shop, the guy was mean to kids. Like, like, you're bothering me. I don't know if it's that thing where they'd rather be actually doing the thing and they're stuck working in the shop. I don't know. Yeah, it's like the disgruntled guy yeah. that couldn't get to where he wanted to be. I mean, the first time I went into Adolf Gasser was so gnarly. I was like, yeah. oh, I'm, I'm never going to come here again. Like, Yeah, I think the like, photo, what? Yeah, the camera shops are like, for sure, notorious for it. But I just think when you're, when you're young, you're just everything's kind of scary and adult and you like yeah you just were like so fascinated with it and then like you're let down if you get vibed or something but i don't know i kind of, i mean not to sound like it was good for us or anything but it's kind of fun to be old it's pretty harmless for the most part back then most of it i'm sure there were some horror stories out there but you know mm -hmm. It, it could be considered tough love like dude i got you on indies you were trying to buy fucking trackers you know like <laughs> there was i was right ghost that guy chad I, I so i had a i was like super fun i bought like one of my first early boards was the john gibson and it had that cut in on the side rails and that's when living a dream began we and fucked so with those. like yeah i was like i like that shape and so i saw that the jfa board had that same cut in and I went to go skate to buy it. And Chad was like, dude, don't buy this board. He's like, it's heavy. You don't, he's like, you don't want this. And actually that felt like it wasn't a vibe. It felt like, wow, like what's it to him? Like, it's just a sale. Like I thought he was like kind of looking out for me. He didn't like, I don't think he even knew my name or anything, but like I had been in there enough. He just gave me like a little, like, Hey, I, re I recognize you kind of thing. But, um, but I think I bought a Nautis instead. Maybe. I can't remember what I bought instead, but. Too. We Nautis's was the most selling board, I think, when those yeah. were hot. Who is that where you bought your first board though? Was Ghostgate? No, I got a board. My parents got me my first board from Price Club, which like morphed into Costco. I don't know if you remember that. Uh -uh. I think it was down in Redwood City, actually. It was they called got me Price oh Club. Price Club. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I remember? It was like the it was Costco, straight up. It was Costco uh, before Costco. Yep. Yeah. They bought me uh it was like a generic board. It was like a rising sun kind of vibe thing, like a fake Hasoy graphic. Um, I was just like, my friends were skating. I was like, yeah, I just want a board. I just want a board. I, I kind of knew I was going to get, I was cool with that. I was like, just get me whatever. I didn't even know the difference too much. So they got me that. And then maybe like six months after they saw that I was into it, I got like a Rob Scott three um, from Tamfran Mall. They had a bike shop that sold boards. This is the one with the arm coming out. A little bit of the face coming out. Okay. I think it's the last good one. After that, it starts to turn like a robot or something. <laughs> but I was hyped on that one. And uh, but then that got stolen. The last day of seventh grade, we got to bring our boards to school and we just like parked them in the office and somebody stole my board. So I was like bumming super hard. And my mom like finally took me to actually Fogtown at the time. And I, I knew then I was like, I'm getting the John Gibson. Like I was seeing some thrashers and I was like, this is like right up my alley. Like the crazy us head graphic, you know? Yeah. Cause I was like previous to that, like, like a heavy metal kid. So I was like, oh, this is perfect. And, um, I just like the shape of it. I knew like 
my cousin put me on the bullets that being reversible. And I just thought that was so cool. Like that's like two wheels for the price of one. Like, you know, you're just like reversible wheels. I just knew yeah. it. I was like, Indy 169. Like, you know, it's like when you're a kid, like just fantasize. I was like at Schmidt rails. I had it all worked out. Yeah. And then I went to, so we went to Fogtown. My parents took me and my friend, Billy boy, our year old buddy. So, <laughs> We get there Love and Billy. All, all they have is, I mean, I'm only in eight, seventh, about to be in eighth grade. So all they had was the mini and they're like, all we got is a mini. And I was just like, I don't care. I didn't really know the difference, but it was, uh, Luke Ogden was working there. No way. Yeah. I didn't know who, I didn't know who Luke was, but I, I remember him to this day, obviously like later Fraggle. on. Yeah. Fraggle was there and. I was like, all right, I want the mini, I want the 169s. And he was like, you can't get 169s. They're gonna, it's gonna stick out too far. Like you gotta get the 159s. And I was uh-huh. like, oh, okay, whatever. You know what I mean? Uh-huh. But it was super cool. He was like, he, he he put it all together for me. He did the grip tape. He did like the die cut for the top graphic because it's sort of like had that cool, like shut up and go or whatever it said. Maybe shut up and go home or something, or go skate. I don't know what it said. Shut up and skate, maybe. Yes, yeah, was. Yeah, yeah. So uh he was like, go outside and kind of adjust the trucks the way you like it. And hey, I can't me a skate key. And I was just like, oh, I don't know. Like, I don't, again, I was just like, I don't know. I'll turn it a little bit. I don't even know what I'm doing. Like, come back in with the skate key. He was like, nah, dude, keep the skate key. I was like, damn, give me a free skate key. You know, if I had it for like 10 years or something, you know what I mean? Right. So that was cool. I mean, that was like super exciting, obviously. And that was like my first full on setup. So because you grew up in South San Francisco, <clears throat> I'm like, obviously further South, were you more in tune with San Francisco? Like, how did you know about Fogtown? Like, I didn't learn about those that stuff till later. Yeah. I mean, I had like that. My, our friend, like that guy I mentioned, Billy Boy, my friend Dave, actually, he was like already <laughs> in high school. I had a couple, like for, for the longest time in my neighborhood, I was like the youngest guy of the friend group. So like when I'm in grammar school they're already in junior high mm. so when i'm in junior high they're already in high school so you're kind of getting like a little bit more exposure to like music and and i had an older brother too but they just i don't know they i don't know if it was the magazines or how they got the address but also you know and then skates on hate was like around right around the corner too so we checked that out oh yeah but, um, I, I think yeah, i learned I about how that we, first. yeah i don't know how we figured it out but i was i would go to the city a lot as a kid because my grandparents lived on Cortland avenue so oh we, really? We, we would go, and my dad worked on Market and Ninth, so I, I was in San Francisco a lot. So like going into the city wasn't like, you know, it was pretty pretty common to us. We'd go see movies. I'd go to like a hobby shop on like Geary Street to buy like little Dungeons and Dragons. <laughs> oh, those little miniatures little, you paint? Yeah. yeah. yeah I would paint them. I would just play with them. I, I didn't even play the the game actually. I just like to buy them and like wow, they're fighting. You know. Yeah. I, <laughs> Like that's like in second or third grade or whatever. Yeah. I, I was just used to going in, you know, we go to Golden Gate Park, we go to Comedy Day at Golden Gate Park. So my parents were like taking us to like even a Barcadero. I had been to Barcadero as a kid, just like checking out the fountain. Like when I first went to Barcadero, I was hearing about it, but I went there and I was like, Oh, I, I remember this place because I remember the fountain as a kid. And we would even go to like the Hyatt to check out the glass elevator inside the Hyatt or whatever. You know, they had that stuff. Yeah, so, for sure. We were like, I was in the city a lot, so that wasn't that big of a deal. But yeah, I, yeah, I trip out like how I heard about anything back then, you know. Yeah, it's crazy. I mean, yeah. I've I've told the story a million times, but it's like we used to get on 
and I don't remember the exact names, but you would get on like the 7B, it would go to Redwood City, you'd transfer to like some other bus, it would take you to San Jose, you'd transfer to another bus, and then you're at Montague Banks. And I'm like, I don't, like right now, there's no way I can do right. that without a phone. Yeah, we found Fish Banks, Memorex, and The Wave somehow through my, my, that same friend Dave who was driving. I don't know how he got the directions because we, we, like, we were isolated. Like we didn't know any other skaters really. Like by the time I was midway through high school, like there was no skaters left except me and my two friends, you know? So mm-hmm. I don't I don't know how we were finding directions to these places like at all. How early did you find the uh, library banks? Again, library banks I knew because of as a kid, that's the library we would go to and we would we would just play on the banks. Like they were just like this weird geometric shaped thing, these brick pyramids we call them actually we call them the pyramids and we would just like well mo- like your mom say your library you got like 30 seconds to run on the pyramids and slide around and then run back into the library or run back to the car yeah so like actually with skating I, it just like dawned on us like dude the pyramids like we can we can skate on that like this is how you, this is like the kind of stuff you like as you're learning about skate spots right like my friend group started skateboarding like there wasn't like some dude who moved to town who had all the thrashers and here's here's future pyramid like we didn't know any, we didn't know anything like we're just like oh riding around on our knees at first like just slowly like working our way through it but yeah we just it was kind of based off of just what we already knew about there was banks at our high school before I, the high school that i would eventually go to we knew there was just for my friends who went there they're like yeah there's these banks there in the in the by the gymnasium you know stuff like that you went to south city yeah i went to Altaloma and then south city yeah Okay. I think we skate there. That pool was skatable, right? That was El Camino. Oh, El Camino. Yeah. I skated yeah. that pool with yeah, Chris Cook. Sick. That's the first pool I ever skated, actually. Yeah. It's funny because my parents, my brother was involved in sports. It must have been like the summer after eighth grade or so. My brother was playing, I think, high school baseball. And then every year we'd go to Clear Lake for two weeks. So that was like our big vacation. Mm hmm. And uh, some like methed out lake towns, but we loved it. But uh, we were like in Clear Lake, and my dad was like, I didn't want to tell you, but the El Camino pool is drained because I knew you'd go skate it. I was like, so like pissed off. Like, what? He's like, yeah, I don't, he's like, I didn't want you to go and like sneak in there and break in because uh, I'm only telling you now because we're here in Clear Lake. And I even called back home to my friends, and they're like, yeah, we're skating it. We're going like every day, you know? I came home the day I came home, my, fr- my friend, Dave, again, he took me there and dude, first pull I ever skated. And it was like a weird fiberglass, just like a big face wall, like it's weird square thing. Mm-hmm. The third kick turn or so was kind of wet, like water was seeping through the fire, the fiberglass. And I didn't know much about like skating pools at all. And like went like halfway up the wall and just like slid out and took a crate, like probably my first gnarly hipper ever. <laughs> I was just like, damn, waited a whole two weeks to get here and like just died on like the third kick turn it was just out of there and like i think it got filled up after that yeah it was crazy like i think the first one we went to was i I always say it's cappuccino i'm pretty sure and the whole mentality was like get as high as you can get as high as you can did you get over the light like you know what i mean like that was a trick like going over too yeah yeah that was another like fiber i think coco has a photo doing a front side air on that one yeah i think so too yeah yep yeah, I just gave that one once, and it was yeah. You're just doing like back and forth high kick turns, which at that time I was like, I love skating like big quarter pipes and just kick turning and feeling weightless. Like I was 
so hyped on that. Yeah, we were too. We couldn't even, I mean, the whole thing, like breaking in, being kind of outlaws in that aspect, and then skating this terrain that's not made for skating. Oh, the best. Yeah. Yeah, I think my friend might have went to that. I think my friend I went with waited outside at Cappuccino because I think he might have gone to that school at the time. I was just like, I'm just going to go in real fast. Hey, I got so much magic on my mind that I refuse to lose. This week, I have a new case of the magic mind elixirs do more stress less focus as much as the next that's right kids i'm still on this stuff and i'm gonna take my daily shot right here like i keep telling you guys this stuff's been a part of my daily regiment for over a month now and uh i don't know i feel like i'm being more productive i definitely stay focused i'm keeping my wife healthy when she's sick in the other room i'm taking the dog all over the place feeding it you know this is the focus potion that all of silicon valley is talking about magic mind was designed for a long-term boost in energy cognition and stress management it's not just a fleeting charge up you'll start to feel the full effects after taking it consistently for five days with continued improvement through day 10. as you all should know by now unless this is your first time listening to the podcast january the entire month the good people at magic mind have come up with a special for the entire month of january you can get one month free of these magic mind elixirs when you subscribe for three months go to magicmind.com forward slash jan schmidt and with my code schmidt 20 you'll get an extra 20 percent off which gets your grand total to a whopping 75 percent off Again, this only lasts until the end of January, so we're running out of time. Hurry up before it goes away. That's magicmind.com forward slash Jan Schmidt with the code Schmidt20. Get yours today and be prepared to have your mind on some magic and some magic on your mind. And now, another first impression from Timothy Donald McKenney. I usually pop these out first try. Every one's usually first try raw dog is shit. And the truth is there's so much emotions and so much love behind this next guest that I think I'm on my fifth try. I keep bawling. I keep, it's gone so deep. I keep start talking about other things. There's so much to Aaron Meza that it's not just a first impression. It's an everlasting impression. That probably goes for every one of us out there. Cause the way this guy's made me feel, I guarantee he's done it to hundreds of us. I guarantee you, like when you were on the curb, because I was on a curb on one. Hey, Tim, need you to get back on that board, bro. How you doing? Is everything okay? You'd be like, what? Mesa's checking in on me? Wow. But this is, this is where it starts. It starts in South City on the hills with Francis, little Robert, uh, Guillermo, Sam Hanna, Mesa, uh, Danny Parks and just skating on the hills, skating the pyramids and just, oh, dude, it was so rad. The era so rad. All I could think of is Mike Carroll, Indy Crossbone, Ollie era because that was 
Danny Park's backyard. I must have seen it. I had to go there and learn those Mike Carroll crossbone ollies. They look so sick. They feel even better. Go out and try them. Frontside and backside. Backside feels good too. Anyways, anytime I was on one, there was Mesa checking in. I had lost skateboarding. The machine had taken it away for so long. I'm talking 15 years. Who do I get a fucking call from while I'm sitting on my couch in El Granada? It's Mesa. And he's asking if he can use some footage. And I'm telling him, no, the machine's took in my soul. You can't. But because I had to tell that guy that the only time I skate is to the store for beer. As of that day, I skated. I started skating again. And I haven't stopped. And I've seen more this era and this time than I ever thought I would. And it's thanks to the next guest, Aaron Mays. I love the fuck out of you, bro. Hello, this is James Kelch, and you're listening to Talking Schmidt. So what were some of your favorite spots when you were growing up? Like there's Selleck Park, Pyramids, Quads. Like what are, yeah. what do you go, what, what, once you start knowing about those places, are you, are you hitting one of them more regularly than the others? Yeah, I mean, when we were, so when we first started the first couple of years, we didn't have a car. So it was all based off of where we can take buses to. And, and, um, you know, it was just a lot of like jump ramps in front of someone's house or something. But there was like, I don't know if you ever skated those places. They call it the Pirillators in San Bruno. It was like these loading docks with two banks and one had a curb on top. Sounds familiar. Yeah. It's super close to that wall ride photo you showed me of uh, Alcantar under between the freeways. It was oh. like right around the corner from that. Okay. There was like a, and we liked it because it wasn't great, but like at that time we were so like half pipes or like everything, but we don't have one. We don't know anybody who has one. So like the Pyrillators was like U-shaped. It was two, you know, facing no, banks. That so place we just is like, still there. Yeah, still there. Yeah. I think they actually moved it wider somehow. It's off they, Sneath, right? Exactly. Yeah. Right. So this the, is like the Sunday Barney dudes uh, slappy spot. Oh, there? Yeah, there's these curbs that kind of go downhill on both sides so you can skate like a half pipe and oh, they, yeah, they yeah, fucking yeah. made the whole thing. Yes, right? Yeah, that's that why I was like pretty legendary because we would go there because it felt like it's like a natural half pipe. We were just looking for a natty half back then, right? Like anything natural half pipe seemed like as good as we're going to get. So like that was fun. You could do like little rock and rolls or like ollie up onto the curb. It, like we weren't doing any slide tricks, but that was close by. Um, pyramids we would go to i think pyramids actually like honestly i think that's where i learned to t- actually do kick turns like it was like what we had that's like the only thing we actually had like a lot of bank spots in south city so yeah for um, real like westboro banks were you guys fired up when jason lee had the, the yeah but that was that was after i was kind of already in in like i was uh, still picked up by then we had already skated that a lot like as kids um, I mean, I had friends who live right there, so we'd go up there at night. He had a launch ramp, so we'd pull out the ramp and skate the banks. I'm trying to think of what else. We The one thing, we were pretty good at, like, cruising around a lot back then. Like, we had friends who, like, all they did was skate, like, a launch ramp in front of their house. And, like, but we were like, let's go find, like, Miley. Let's go find where the dish is. We even skated, like, HP ramp somehow. Like, again, I have no clue. Cause we took the bus there, skated, the, skated the dish. This is probably like eighty-seven, uh-huh. 80, or eighty-eight, the most. I think I'm in eighth grade still. So I'm only skating for like a year, year Whoa. and a half, and we somehow found the dish. Dude, we got off the bus so far away. We got off the bus like at, <laughs> I mean, we might as well been at the Cow Palace, like that far away, and somehow stretched our way up there. 
like rolling on third street probably on. that's what i was just saying is it's way heart. sketchier getting there that once you're inside you kind of felt okay but like getting to the house or getting to the dish yeah. was gnarly the house i i think i've probably been there three times over the lifespan i never even knew about the mini ramp until i saw photos of it but like every time we skated it was pretty thrashed too like holes and stuff and you're just like through all the seams and everything and we were just starting from the bottom was it vert or mini no it was vert it was vert okay. all the yeah. times i we went there it was vert it had an orange coping i remember at one point mm. i think my friend might have grinded it that would be like the extent and nobody dropped in we just all went from the bottom but i remember we used to think like man like it like you're saying you go to this backyard you're kind of like out of the way but i was also like anybody could roll back here and just take whatever they want from whatever little we have it's going to be theirs because there was just no there's one way in one way out and I, if i remember there was like a park on the back side of it right that's right and sometimes yeah. boards would fly over there so you'd have to go over the fence and go <clears> down <throat> the backside, and that was like yeah. fuck, you're, you're I mean, the looking first time we went to the dish we basically got kicked out by like a 10 year old like swinging a chain like on the bank we're just like all right we're like we're skating down the hill as fast as we can now get out of here same with blood banks we've found blood banks just no idea where they were just trying to i would show photos to my parents in the magazine and be like does this neighborhood look familiar to you like do you know where it might be they're like oh i don't know like maybe it's around here you know what i mean and we dude we took hours and we finally found it and the location of that was like in a pretty rough neighborhood Fuck it's yeah. like right in the center of like a housing complex so you go into it and like again we, we took like two or three kick turns and people were just yelling at us from the balconies and like after like hours of trying to find this thing it was like we were in there for 30 seconds probably yeah. <laughs> we're like we're out of here that's like the we film were getting chased yeah i mean i was of an era of 80 skateboarding where like we were getting hassled a lot on the bus in our neighbor like in our own town on el camino boulevard like I was telling my kids like we were up there recently because my parents still live in the same spot mm. we were walking out El Camino me and my two friends and then like these few big dudes were walking towards us like we crossed the street to the to the island they crossed the street we crossed back <laughs> we crossed back and we're just like dude Fuck. we're skating you're this going way. a little faster I mean, a little were, faster yeah. than bolt <laughs> there was a lot popping off back then because I started skating like and a lot was going on like in our town with like i don't know if it was like because i was entering high school and like things were just elevating just that's just the natural order of things but also mm. like the movie colors that just come out oh and i live in a town where it's like people don't need to do a lot of these things to survive but they were just maybe enchanted by it and they wanted to take on that person like even a lot of the friends we skated with they're like they became like kind of more like you know we would be like want to be gangsters they're not really you know we know where they live they're not gangsters but they yeah. would like all of a sudden they're tough they, they're wearing filas they want to fight people and like us as the skaters we're the ones out at night in a parking lot with nobody around so it's like we were like easy targets for them to like you know chase us we never got like messed up super bad i had a friend get got jumped kind of bad back in the days but like it was just like we were the ones out and then skaters were just different back then we weren't like i don't know we were pretty nerdy and just not like that. <laughs> yeah. I, mean, I saw like, I used to go to Barcadero and be like, Whoa, dude, these dudes are like kind of tough. Like they even dress like B-boys. Some of them, I was such a head trip to me, even though it's weird. Cause we love rap music, but it's like, we were the prey of like people who were like, 
kind of like engaging in some like harder activity. It was just like, ah, like we're just getting just dissed every, every turn. Yeah. <laughs> like being on the muni in the back, it's getting hassled and, and like people making fun of our shoes. Like it was the era of like fresh shoes and we had like, you know, chucks or vans with holes in them. They're like, look at these dude's shoes. They're like, we're just like, oh gosh. Yeah. We used to get the custom vans and, and almost intentionally just make them like, to make have people make fun of them like looking back like i had wonder bread i had like so many different bright colors. colors like it was just like fuck everybody kind of it was crazy yeah. Yeah. what about danny parks what, what when did he come into the mix and he had a he had a mini ramp right right yeah i met him i kind of like kind of met him for the first time but didn't like just met him at like when i first time watched that did you go to boys club in south city they'd have the launch ramps on friday nights Oh no! I went to the one in San Francisco. They had a quarter pipe and like some launch ramps. There were like, there would be like two hundred kids just going off. It was that's where I saw like Mike Carroll, all them for the first time. Great Carroll, maybe Rick Apicetta and those guys. There were a lot of good skaters that would come through there. They had a contest and like Tommy Guerrero showed up and fed and stuff. It was cool. Yeah, right. I just saw Danny there one time, and I just asked him like. Like what's up? Like I think they let us in for free, and I just asked him like, "How do you like? How does this work? Like, this is you know, what I mean, like, is it every Friday night, or what do you have to do to like come here like consistently?" And I kind of remember that a little bit, but he told me later because he was like from San Bruno. Like, if you know, it's like it's like the further you go south, that kind of went the area. <laughs> it, it gets softer with each town. Like South City, softer than Daly City, but like. San Bruno softer mill rate as you go down. You know? Yeah, yeah. So you hit like San Jose, but <laughs> dude, but he was just like some like I had like long hair and stuff. He's like, dude, I was like scared of you. I thought you were some crazy like rocker guy, like whatever. Oh, funny. Like, you were you were like intimidating to me. I was just like, damn, like whatever. But uh anyway, so that, I don't know, like years later, I probably didn't hook up with them for like another year or two. There were some mutual friends. I had a friend in our neighborhood who skated, but he went to like a school uh, down the peninsula. And I, th- I might've met him through him actually. Mm. He went to Sarah, like an all boys Catholic school. Yeah, I had friends so he, over there. Yeah, so he met up with some skaters there. And I think some of those guys live in San Bruno and knew Danny. And that's how we kind of like linked up. Oh, uh, okay. And then later on they built a ramp. Actually they built a ramp and didn't tell us for like a while. They kept it secret and then like, they told us like we have a ramp i was just like what like it's crazy there was that ramp that was like out in the field by the airport yeah Millbrae ramp i always skated that a few times it was pretty like kink but we skated danny's ramp like that's where i learned all my little dumb lip tricks and stuff yeah so when you were young did your grandpa or your parents or somebody like give you like here's a camera so you could document everything or something like were you into cameras young you know what? I was into photography a little bit. I took photo classes in high school. Mm. And just, I don't know, something about skateboarding opened me up to like photography and filming in a way that I just, you know, you would see some of those early PAL videos and you'd be like, damn, this is, looks cool. Like this film, you know, I wasn't like, that's super eight, that's 16. I didn't, I didn't yeah. know anything. I didn't know anything at all. But we would just like take our parents' like compact disc camera and try to shoot skate photos. I think everybody kind of does that. But only like, you know, a couple of rolls over the years, even because it was expensive and it's like your parents stuff. So, oh, so you didn't think, get into it more till you started skating. 
Oh yeah, I didn't have any interest in it at like all. Like when I was a kid, we'd go to Disneyland or all our vacations. I'd have a camera, so I was yeah. always shooting photos. Yeah, I wasn't like that. Okay. We had. I mean, my parents took photos here. I mean, there's probably like at each age, there's probably like three or four photos of me and my brother. You know I mean, each oh, year. okay. It wasn't like a like they were kind of. I don't know. Maybe it was just too pricey or something. But like, my dad did get like a Pentax K1000 at some point, and uh, pretty early on, actually, just to like. I should have a camera, I guess. So it was only through skating that it, we became like me and my friends would like every now and then like, I got to roll a film. Like let's like go to, to the library and like shoot a couple of photos or something, you know, or, or, or there's like six photos left on my parents' camera. They said we can shoot a uh, skate, the jump ramp or something, you know, but, uh, but yeah, it wasn't until, it wasn't until like, honestly, like when I was maybe the very tail end of high school, actually Dan Parks had a video camera. So we started filming each other, but that was like, it was pretty late. I was probably like a senior maybe. And we were just panned it around. Was it eight millimeter? It was video eight. Yeah. Video eight. Yeah. 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 Not even high eight. Just not like, even high eight yet. I don't know how he got that. And then eventually my dad also got a camera, um, same, some kind of big Sony eight video eight and, uh, he might have got yeah, I don't know how he, why he got that, but he just ended up getting it. And then um at Tanfran Mall, there was one of those like camera shops with like a million cameras in the glass. You know, there it wasn't even like a pro shop, maybe. I don't know. This those weird mall camera shops that were popular back then. And my but Dan Parks was like, Hey, they have a fisheye lens there. I think that's good. that would fit our camera. And we were kind of like starting to realize, like, oh, that's what they use on like these videos that we're watching, you know. Uh-huh. Starting to transition a little bit into just video like homie camera new deal video kind of look right where it was a little bit more like grounded you know and uh i think it was like 80 dollars, and i think i he's like i can pay half if if you can pay half i just asked my mom okay like could i like have 40 dollars to like buy this lens with danny you know for hit for his camera right and we put it on and it was like whoa this looks just like you know not i mean it, I mean, videos were getting that like lo-fi. So you were like, whoa, this looks like, and we had a couple of, I had a couple of friends who were pretty good at that time, like maybe close enough to get sponsored maybe at some point, but, mm. but we just went, go, we went filming. We would skate this like kind of underground garage thing in uh Bay Hill, San Bruno area. And uh, yeah, we just filmed there. And I remember just being like, "Whoa, this is like way easier. It actually looks kind of cool. You know, like it actually looks close to what we're watching uh-huh it was like after that we were filming more for sure but we would just film and come home throw it on a vhs tape and like that was like the extent of it we weren't trying to like make a video or i don't think even any of the guys who were even kind of maybe good enough or like even making sponsoring videos yet or anything it was this pure like stoke you know okay so then when you you're you're filming with your friends that's kind of like how you learn the ins and outs of it and then is there one day where like you meet chico or somebody that's yeah, like take I it to the already. next step <clears throat> yeah it's kind of weird because i had been going to barcadero for like years like since junior high actually but like sprat very you know we go a couple weekends a month or every weekend one month and then maybe not even go for a few months mm. go check it out again it was kind of this back and forth but towards the end of high school i i had kind of like all my friends pretty much quit skating and uh, Dan Parks was one of the few like people still skating with me, but he had moved away to college because he was a year ahead of me. 
so like my senior year i would just start like on the weekends i would just borrow my mom's like oldsmobile and just like go to embarcadero and just be like there'll be people skating i'm kind of out of like friends to skate with they either have like girlfriends or moved away or something you know or jobs so i was still in high school so i would just that would be like my weekend thing and and at that time i was kind of like i had new york and carl and chico a little bit but like the older like what i which i consider like the real like older embargo guys like james and them like i didn't really know them but i i knew of who all they were i even knew their names like that's shelby that's jake that's i didn't know their last names but even uh -huh. james, james would kind of say what's up to me you know he was pretty friendly but i still like was still like very much keeping my distance for the most part except for the younger guys and um i was filled we were just starting to bring our camera around and i was filming my friends skating out of arcadero and then james kelch was like hey do you want you want to film some stuff and i was just like sure i, I like pretty much left my friend right there it was like yeah i'll be right back i'm filming james like were and, you nervous uh, or excited i'd probably both uh, probably both i was definitely trying to like make it look good as much as i knew you know and it's all just based off of like just watching videos over the years like you kind of do it like this or you like what was a video like, that was inspiring you like what was something in that era i mean i liked all of it i mean i love the pal videos the hg huh. videos i love sick boys yeah um i think at that time it was probably 91 or 92 probably 90 i think i might have been in college already actually my first so it was eight street days yeah world H Street. rubber sheet was out stuff like that mm, okay. video. yeah yeah but anyways but he was like hey i'm i i he was like i'm filming do you want to film some stuff and i was like for sure and like he filmed a bunch of like super rad stuff that day like best skating i ever filmed like clearly by far and we were like already like big i mean i knew who james was for like four years already you know what i mean like this is like guy from the city who can ollie super high and like yeah had, like, rad style and like i knew he was like the guy you know i mean the mayor down there already you know it was like pretty established so that i was just like over the moon to be like i'm with james spelling james right now like you know i was dude i was super hyped and like he filmed a bunch of like amazing like he did a line through the whole place where he always this fence at the end of the by the end of the fountain like this whole thing and it was just like that he, he already had a spitfire ad all in this fence so he like finished this whole line like you know through flat ground ledge off the thing over over this planter then all the way over i didn't even know where he's going to go i just followed him he just ollied the first time and like you can hear the background like the whole place it's like yeah and i was just like it's amazing did that footage ever get used it never i think somebody ended up in epic later but it never got he was trying to get on it was weird because right after that he was like hey these dudes are quitting h street and they're going to start this company called plan b and he named all the people who were going to skate for it and he's like and, and he's like i'm gonna try to be the am i'm gonna try like i talked to carol or whatever like they want me to send a video and i was like filming a sponsoring video for that whoa yeah that's a trip dude i was just like hearing this like earth sh shattering news like he was like it's gonna be rick howard it's gonna be mike carol you know what i mean and uh anyways he's like and i might be the am i was like dude i'm you know so he would kind of call me and i would just start going out with him and jake vogel this guy mon this guy dennis we would just cruise around we'd go to like fort mason and we took a it took a you know we probably filmed for like a month or two which felt like kind of a long time mm -hmm. and i and then i think in the interim plan b probably had started it started pretty quickly after that and then uh 
I think we eventually sent the video to 101 though for some reason. I think that's what I mean. I think I just cut it together and gave him the tape and he did whatever, you know. Mm -hmm. Then but then shortly thereafter he got on he got on real, like within months. I okay. think those guys were just like, why aren't we sponsoring James? He's like, we're SF company. He's had like the hot, the, you know, the biggest spot in SF. He's the main dude. Yeah. So, I mean, he, he had already rode for like Dogtown and it was getting boards. I think he got boards from 8th Street before that. So, so, yeah, it was just like going out with James and that, that clearly like opened up. At that point, there wasn't really anybody there. Like Jake, um, Jake Rosenberg was maybe already, I don't know. He was coming up for sure, obviously, to film Plan B. But he was kind of just solely on Plan B and and maybe starting to travel to San Diego a lot. Mm. So there was a, a bit of a need for somebody because all these guys were starting to come up like pretty hard, you know? Mm. Yeah. So then did you meet those dudes kind of through James? Oh, yeah. Like James, or it was just kind of this like known thing like film with Aaron, like um, yeah. I remember Wing Ding called me up. Sick. I don't know how he, got, he guess he got my number through James, and I was like, honestly, like it felt like like a celebrity was calling my answer machine. <laughs> I was like, Wing Ding called my mom's house. <laughs> like this, I was just like, oh, this is how it's gonna be now. Like I didn't even talk to him, and he was just like, hey, like all polite on the phone, like hey, Aaron, I got your number from James, like. I would love to like start filming with you. I was like, I was just like, whoa, like, I guess this is just going to be a thing. Right. And then, and then shortly thereafter that I did go to FTC and, uh, and I didn't even know, I knew who Kent was, but you know, I was just a kid going to the shop and he was like, Hey, James told me like, we've been wanting to make a video and you're, he says, you're the guy to make it. So he it wasn't even like, do you want to, he was just like, you he was telling me like, you're going to make the video. Yeah. You know what I mean? Which was like, that's kind of how weird. it was back then. Yeah, yeah. It's weird because it wasn't like I was like, I want to be a filmer one day. I mean, I felt like I wasn't very good at skateboarding. So I thought if I was going to contribute to skateboarding, it would be something like this, I guess. Uh huh. Which I, you know, I still love skating. So I wanted to be involved in it. And, I, and skateboarding was changing so much at this time where it was like, you kind of was like, oh, these guys are going to be like, I don't know. There's my favorite skaters are guys that a lot of people don't even know about yet. You know, I mean, like James or you know Wingding and these guys. Mm -hmm. I don't know. It was like very lo-fi stuff. It wasn't like a big deal and and then a big picture of things. But like, it was a lot about for years. My friends and I from South City were like going to Embarcadero. You went to Embarcadero today. You know, did you get anybody's way? Did somebody else? You? <laughs> yeah. Did they say hi to you? Dude, Jake Vogel, like, took a sip off my drink. You're like, you're like no way, dude. Like, that's amazing. Like, you know what I mean? We were, yeah. like, honestly, like, pretty in awe of them. with like, And we weren't trying to goon it. You know what I mean? So to finally even just, I think the motivation more was just to be, like, you know, when you're, it's just like anything else. When you're kind of younger and you've been looking up to people, like, the, the thing you love the most. And there's all these great skaters in your area. Like, we were so fortunate that I was just, like, dude, I'm just, like, the Barcadero guys to me are bigger than, like, you know, most of the pros so it's like you know this is kind of getting down with the click kind of vibe like that that was like more the motivation there was no like i want to be a filmer one day because there wasn't really filmers outside of company owners right it wasn't like a lot i mean jake jake rosenberg was do doing some things actually right at this time where you're like oh it's just like a young kid like me making these 
think videos or uh i think he made a Dogtown video around that time yeah and then was, was starting to make the think video so there was a little bit of that was very much like oh it's like it's, i've seen this dude around like that's crazy he's the one making the video like you know mm. so you kind of had a little sense of like this is the way skating's going really lo-fi and do it yourself but like you know i wouldn't phrase it in those terms at that time but it was it just kind of riding with it and then like ftc thing felt like a big deal because it was exciting to make a video even though i had no idea like what that really meant like how i was going to do that but mm -hmm. i was more stoked like oh i'll be skating around with rick avicenna and mike carroll and henry sanchez and like all of our favorites like fdc team was stacked with everybody that we thought was like the best it was the shit, it was yeah. more about being excited about that you know plus it was full street cred like those are the dude that like oh, yeah, sign yeah. off like it was like for me working at thrasher like if jake said it was cool i knew it was cool so no, if those sure. guys are telling you this works you're like fuck yeah like oh, it yeah, gives yeah. you confidence to, like yeah like i said like i went to party i'll tell you saw mike carroll do this or what's the name was he like who was there and you're like da, 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 da. you know what I mean? yeah like chico lived down the street from carroll in daily city and we used to drop chico off it was just get, starting to get like sponsored and stuff a little bit slow from real uh -huh. we would drive by carroll's house and we would all look and be like is, is he like maybe we'll see him in the window you know we like we, uh chico pointed out his house like that's that's where carol lives you know what i mean <laughs> and dude like one time we we're driving we, sure enough we saw him like in the bedroom window we were like whoa like, that really? <laughs> like you know I mean, we weren't like super stock or anything but it was just funny you're just like oh shit like yeah it is. it's funny did, did you edit the first ftc video yeah yeah we like I, just you or was it you and some people it was it was just i mean Kent was there for some of the day. We, I think it's, it took three days to do it, but it was this, it was this um, thing that they might've done the real video like this. And some of the thrasher videos it was called Abracadabra. It was like kind of by Townsend bump and that. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. So you rented time and you went in there and he like kind of pushed the buttons. It was tape to tape. So yeah. later, you just go from the beginning to end and you just like line up the tapes. Mm. Kent was there, this guy that used to work at FTC named uh, Craig. He was like one of the early FTC employees. He came with us. Okay. That's kind of why there's some of that stuff at the end with like Keith and the DJs. I don't know if you remember that. It's like at the way end of the, that was kind of like their kind of trip. And I was just like, yeah, whatever. Just it's at the end. Do whatever you want. You know what I mean? <laughs> I don't really care. But, but I pretty much sat through and just with this guy, we cut the video in two days and then I had to go home and like, we took a few days off and like, I was just like matching music. I would play music while I watched the raw tape and be like, oh, this kind of works, this works. Oh. I had a few, uh, quite a few song ideas. And then I went to Carol's house and we kind of went through some music and he picked out that De La Soul song that he had just gotten. Oh, uh, okay. So, the, so he picked out that song and then I think I picked out the rest. Or no, there was a Dell song that, that Kent got. It was like an unreleased Dell song. And he was like, hey, we wanted, Dell wants to give us a song, we're gonna use it. And I was like, yeah, we can use it in this section here. It's fine. Mm. So that's the first video you really edited, yeah? Yeah, yeah, for sure. And I mean, like, again, like, I look back now and I'm just like, wow, Kent, like, really, like, trusted me. I mean, I might have been 19 or 20 years old, you know? He didn't, like, ask me what, how I was going to put it together. I mean, honestly, it's following a, a lot of formulas, you know, it looks like a Plan B video or any other video, you know, it's like, little bit of intro this guy's name it looks like a lot of videos of the time it's not like some groundbreaking format but mm -hmm. he wasn't like 
trying to give his input or, you know I mean? He wasn't like, no, change this. Like he was totally cool. And it was like, so now I look back, I was like, damn, I was, I was really fortunate. And he was like, really like cool just to let me do whatever I wanted basically. Yeah, and, tr and trust me to do it, which is like, now I'm just like, dude, I was just some dumb kid from South city. It's like 20 years old. Like not that. I mean, it's, again, it's a skate video. It's not like, I mean, a 13 year old put it together probably, but whatever, like it was cool. Yeah, that's crazy. So, but, and also though, once you have a video out, like once that came out, Aaron did that, that's just like, now you're kind of the guy with that circle. Like, it's like Luke going out and shooting a photo, you know, it's going to go in the mag, you know what yeah, I mean? Yeah. So filming with you becomes more of like, that guy gets shit done. And then the next video penal code, did you have that experience to like kind of form what I'm going to do this time and not have it just so much of a wing? Yeah. I mean, I felt, you know, honestly, like even before the FTC, the first FTC video, I was almost right away. These guys were all hijacking their footage for their board sponsors. Mm. That's one thing about it. It actually took from the conversation with Ken, it took a couple of years to make, like, or back a year and a half, which seemed like a really long time. It was almost like embarrassing that it was, because I think he was putting ads out that were saying like, video out now. Like, and it's like, it was like an early version of like, fully flare taking <laughs> forever. I mean, it clearly didn't take five years, but it was like, whoa, what's going on this thing? Like, they've talked about it. Like, when's it coming out? Right. But like, right away like first day i'm filming with javante he's like hey i gotta film for world so whatever we get today i gotta give to world and i was just like all right so like what am i you know i was not in a position to be like no dude you're doing it i, w I didn't have it like that you know yeah and it was, I, I i was smart enough to know like these guys their board sponsors are more important as much as they loved ftc like at that time the board sponsor was everything so i understood where they're coming from but i was kind of like oh shit, this is kind of awkward but I was also super happy to be involved in like have footage in the plan B videos, love child, you know, all the Tim and Henry's that I filmed a decent amount of Henry's part. So like mm. all that stuff is actually happening before the first FTC video came out. Oh, I had been contributing all this footage just because right. again, they were like, dude, I got to do this. Like, well, that's how it is, especially when you're green. Like, you ain't going to be like, no, I'm holding on to this, you know? <laughs> I was not. No, I mean, filmers weren't like that back then, especially. And I, I for sure was not going to be like. Yeah. Like, it's cool, though, when they tell you in advance, too. Like, hey, I need to film instead of like later. Hey, remember that trick we got? I need it. Like, if you go into yeah. it knowing that, it, it, it's a little easier. Kind of, but I, I know Kent was kind of getting, like, a, he knew the deal, too, but, like, he was like, dude, we got, I still want to really make this happen. So there was, like, a little bit of a pressure around it. So there was kind of that whole thing. It was, like, I mean, by the time FTC video came out, like, Girl had just started maybe a month or so before. I kind of knew, like, I'd been filming for World, but all the all the World people that, that I was most associated with, like the San Francisco people, almost all of them went to girl to girl of chocolate. Mm -hmm. So I kind of, I kind of just naturally knew like I was going to like go with them. If that makes sense. You know, were you in any of the discussions and stuff? Like, did you see that coming? Uh, not at all. Mike I, York told me he went to a hotel room with Carol uh, and Rick and it was story. like the tell Ternansky. It's like, Whoa, it's funny. Cause Mike York's the one who told me about girl. That's why I was kind of tripping off that story. It was because it was kind of famously right before the SF City, the, the Civic Center contest. Like right. the, the day before, you know, everybody would congregate on it on 
San Francisco, they go to Barcadero. We were just, I was like right by the stage with maybe Scott or somebody. And he just walked up. He's like, dude, everybody just quit world to start this new company. He named everybody. And he was all hyped because Mike actually had quit world already to skate for stereo. Oh, so I think he kind of felt like maybe a little vindicated too. Like I told you like world's kind of crazy or whatever, you know what I mean? (laughs) But he was, I mean, it was like earth shattering. We're just like, Whoa, this is like the craziest. Yeah. I, I was privy to a lot of complaining, you know, about world. Mm. Not to sit here and bash world at all, but they were young and just like, oh, dude, like they only sent me two boards. Like, what the hell? You know, I mean, shit, like, right. Like, like they're, they're being chicey. They're not call me back. But, you know, who knows what's going on, really? But there was like a lot of, I don't know, it was such a disrespectful time that it was pretty normal. And world was like a volcano ready to erupt at all times. I feel like they were, they were pushing so much rebelliousness that like it snapped back on them in a way too, I guess, you know, at some level. And I think people were just, you know, I remember York kind of quitting and Spencer might've quit or got kicked off. So I like, I kind of knew people were kind of there. I think they, some of them felt whether it was real or not, like, of like your time's limited here. They're always looking for the next new person or I don't know. You know what I mean? But again, it's like everybody's yeah. young and insecure, especially skaters of that era. That kind of reminds me of uh, the old urban myth that I always heard was Rocco uh, had these guys focus boards on purpose to make it seem cool so they could sell more boards. Do you remember seeing someone focus a board for the first time? I mean, Jeremy Klein in the video, that's the first time I saw it. Do you think that that was kind of manufactured? No, I think they're just having fun. Uh I think Rocco was like, he was great and just like showcasing. I'm sure there was so much wildness going on in skateboarding the whole time. That was kind of like, you know, now you hear stories. It seemed squeaky clean for a little bit in the eighties, you know, mid eighties for us. Mm. But dude, they were like some of them were raging super hard, and we now you go back, you're like, oh yeah, these guys are like, dude. So that footage of Danny and Colin in the Plan B video where they're just flying around in his car, just throwing pies and just- yeah, yeah. I mean, that was kind of like the world era, but so it was kind of this like, let's just show everybody like what's really going on, and like it was like at the time, it was like a fun energy to like tap into for a lot of people, obviously, and it was like. I mean, again, like I was going to Embarcadero where I knew these, some some of these dudes were coming from some rough parts of the city. And like, Mm. you were were really mixing in with like people from Noe Valley all the way to people from like Visitation Valley. You know what I mean? It was like the whole gamut was there. It was like some raw fights and stuff. So it's like, it was just kind of just exposing that side of it, you know, a little bit, just kind of like, the rebelliousness that's innate in skateboarding for whatever reason. Yeah. We'll talk about like filming with Carol because in me and McKinney were talking about it. It's like, from our perspective, it seemed like when you whipped out the camera to film with Carol, everyone sat down and it was just like, let him like, it was fucking crazy. Yeah. I mean, Carol was, is easily one of the most naturally gifted skaters I ever was around and, I mean, even before I knew him, he was like, even, even like back to like, we would see him around the city as a little kid, like hauling off the jump ramp, like 
only Tommy could ollie off the jump ramp like that at that time. And here's this kid who's like younger than me, even with like a little blonde flat top. So like he was already a guy, like almost like a year or two into skating. It was like, we knew who Mike Carroll was from the boys club and like, he could skate the long tramp, but anybody he's younger than anybody, he's a mm. little, little brat, little shit. Right? <laughs> <laughs> like he doesn't seem very nice. And then by the time a barker came around, he was like, you know, reinventing skateboarding at that time it was like nuts the stuff that like you know when that plan b video came out like we were lucky enough to watch a lot of that stuff happening before our eyes so it was it's weird because he's like one of my good friends but like he had especially that time like a magnetism to him where he was like people wanted to dress like him look like him <laughs> skate like him like yeah heavy I mean, we were close to him so sometimes we joke around like you're the you think you're the fourth beastie or a little break <laughs> you know what i mean like it was funny too but like and they would call him nerd that was his nickname nerd right so you know it's weird because we you know everybody would tease him a lot but because everybody was teasing everybody you know i think mike was he was super influential at a t- at a very pivotal time of skateboarding where it wasn't that big but a lot of it was changing and he was like a big part of that change of how it looked and the tricks that were being done. And it's kind of famously like a weird time of skateboarding where things got like kind of ugly and stuff, but like, he wasn't like that. Like Javante wasn't like that. They look good. Yeah. I mean, Mike always looks good. Just rolling. Yeah. And if he was in like the right headspace, he could just turn it on and just film so much stuff and just, do these lines where like a lot of the lines that maybe in an SEC video, they're just like, after he made the first trick, the rest of it was like, I didn't even know where he was going to go. Like all that stuff at the top of Wallenberg's that stuff skating down California street. It was, he was just like, Hey, follow me. And he would just go. And he was so good at stringing things together in like this really good way. And I don't know, he just had like a, he'd been skating for a long time. He could skate, he could skate mini ramps. He skate bird a little bit. He gets kind yeah. of, he started like Jake. He's legit. He's I'd be like, cause I know Jake really loved him. And I, and like early on, I was like, why do you like Mike so much? Cause you know, Jake's older. You, you expect him to like, like Chris Miller. I don't you know what I mean? Like older yeah. guy. He's like, I just love Mike. He's like, he, cause he went from, from jump ramps to hard flips. He made the transitions from jump ramp to hard flips. And I was just like, damn, that's like, it's kind of true. Like that generation like really did span that era. Jake always told me too that like from the minute he met Mike till that Mike was always cool with Jake like they always just he never gave him attitude I mean Mike was like a kid going to concrete jungle so I'm sure he just remembers you know that stuff sticks with you yeah and the local guy I mean Jake's always the hometown hero you know Tommy Guerrero is his favorite and then Mike's the next generation so it makes sense but yeah you're skating the the what's it called the casting ponds and there he is like doing a big mute you know like whatever it's like he's seeing this guy all the time so it's fresh in his mind look for part two soon yeah before history is written it's played before it's frozen in time it's fought one shift at a time Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. Head on over to 
to your local shop and ask for Blood Wizard. If they're out, then you can tickety-tack on down to bloodwizard.com where we have all of your conjuring needs. Thank you for listening to another episode of Talking Schmidt. You can subscribe to the show on iTunes, Anchor, Spotify, or anywhere you get your podcasts. When you subscribe, you'll get notifications every Tuesday of new episodes the minute they become available. Also, please leave reviews and a five-star rating. It's the best way to help the show grow. All of the episodes will always remain free, but if you would like to help support the show, you can do so at TalkingSchmidt.com where you can pick up some merchandise like t-shirts, beanies, hats, and stickers. The website has an entire archive of all of the episodes, with extra photos and videos. Email us with any suggestions, comments, or ways that the show may have improved your life at talkingschmidt at gmail.com. All interviews are conducted, edited, and produced by Schmitty. The intro music is Mary's Cross by the band Nature. A very special shout-out goes to the executive director, Cheryl Camisa. Shout out. Love it! This is Talking Schmidt, where the Rolodex is deep, but the conversation is deeper. Keep the wheels greased.